And welcome into the Extra Base Podcast. My name is Matt Cohen. Alongside me, as always, is Austin Matricardi. We are finally back in the podcast booth after a little bit of a break. Um, since Dante Biasi and Penn State shut out IU on a Friday night of that series against Penn State in Bloomington, the Hoosiers have been absolutely rolling. They've won eight straight games since then. They've been probably playing some of their best baseball of the season. After that game against Penn State, the Hoosiers um, ended, ended up taking that series uh, taking two out of three at the Saturday doubleheader against Penn State. They beat Purdue in the midweek game, swept a solid Evansville team, and beat Ball State on Tuesday night 14-3 in Bloomington. Austin, at this point, looking at this IU team, I think we need to kind of just address first this eight-game stretch. They played really well. They've been a complete team. Who stood out to you, though? Um, I've There have been a lot of guys that have stood out to me. I, I believe the starting pitching has been huge. Um, one guy that has been really, really big for me recently has been Tommy Summer. He came back from injury and was very, he has been very impressive over the last few appearances. I believe he's up to three now since his injury and he's looked very good. He's been increasingly good in each one of those. So I, I, as many runs as they've put up, I think it's been the pitching that has impressed me the most. You know, Austin, that was a phenomenal segue into our three stars of the, of the week. And why was that a phenomenal segue? Because Tommy Summer is my third star of the week this week for Indiana baseball. Um, and, the, and the reason why I have him, him on there is more than just what he's done individually, but over his last over his three starts since, since, since he came back, he told us after the Ball State game that he was dealing with a meniscus injury that kept him out. He's back now. In his three starts since then against Penn State, he threw two innings, gave up uh, one hit, uh, sh- walked one, struck out two, no runs allowed against Purdue in a midweek. Um, he basically got the start because he pitched six innings um, because McCade Brown started that game and couldn't get an out. Tommy Summer came in in the first inning, came in through six innings out of the bullpen, allowed one hit out of the bullpen, struck out six. And against Ball State on Tuesday, he was brilliant. Uh, six innings out of the uh, – got the start on Tuesday, six innings, four hits, two runs, um, but struck out ten, which is, a, which is a career high for him. Not only has he been probably pitching the best that he's pitched in his IU career over the past – three games for him which is impressive considering he really worked very quickly back from his injury I don't think any of us thought he was going to go six innings against Purdue last week um but just what the what what he's been able to do to this pitching staff is throughout midweeks the entire season you didn't know who was going to throw every single week we were we were kind of guessing who's going to pitch we didn't know but what we what when we did know is the starter was more than likely going to not go more than three to four innings it's going to be a game that would tax the bullpen and that would and then you would have to hope that they wouldn't get two taxed knowing that Paulie Milta was going to pitch on the Friday and you'd probably get that day off for the for the for the bullpen basically maybe Paulie goes seven, and you got to finish it off from there. But that's basically a day off for the pen. But with Tommy Summer, you don't have that issue anymore. IU now has four reliable starting pitchers, and you don't have a day that you say, oh, that's a bullpen day. And I think that's been really immense for this IU rotation now that it's set. It's the healthiest it's been all year. It's the best it's been all year. And I'd even argue this might be the best overall staff in the Big Ten. Yeah, you've talked about the importance of Summer, and you know we didn't know that he was going to go six innings in that Purdue game. I believe that after that game, Jeff Mercer said that Summer basically won that game for them yeah. when he came in in the first inning and managed to stop the bleeding and get them back in the ball game, refocused, ready to go, and then they came back and they won. So I think that the importance of summer has been 
perhaps lost a little bit during his injury. You, you didn't realize how important he was to this staff. And now that he's back, you could see it very clearly. Yeah, he's been he's been fantastic. And I think that brings me into my second star as well, which we're also going to kind of look at the rotation here. And we're going to go back to one of my favorite guys. This is also my in, third star. This is also, so this, this, we, can, we can kind of tie this together here. I think this is a guy that I have, I know you know how much I've said all year long. I love this guy. After watching him, my my first time really getting to watch Andrew Saul Frank was against Texas last year in the regional game. It was kind of as I started to get in this into kind of the flow of IU sports. I had I had enrolled a couple of weeks before in the school, um, and I was kind of that was kind of one of my first weekends of really just heavily watching an IU sport because I I didn't grow up an IU fan. Um, and Andrew Saul Frank as going into that Texas game, I didn't know who he was. I hadn't covered the, I hadn't covered the, the the team, and I figured. Oh boy, they're throwing some guy out of the bullpen against Texas with everything on the line in a regional championship game. And Sofran came out in that game and was and was fantastic. And I, as I you know, did some more research on him, learned about his inconsistencies. But the past five games or six games for him, he's been anything but inconsistent. In fact, he's been incredibly consistent. The strikeout numbers have been fantastic. He's been he's thrown quality start after quality start after quality start, putting up double digit strikeouts, and he's become that you know that type of a Sunday guy that I think I maybe for I I thought that he could have been, and I just didn't think he. W- I don't think I would say that he would put be putting up the numbers consistently that he's put up over the past five starts, just given how inconsistent he's been. But he, I mean, he's figured it out. I mean, Justin Parker's done a phenomenal job with him. Yeah, over the last five, four of his last five starts, he's put up at least eleven strikeouts. He's gone at least six innings in each of those starts. The lone one being his start against Iowa. He only went the two innings, gave up three hits, only had one strikeout. But his the the other starts in this stretch have been tremendous for him. I, I mean. I was on the call on BTN Plus for the Penn State game that he pitched, and I sat there with the play-by-play man, and we we sat there. We said to each other, okay, it's one and two. Here comes uh, Saul Frank's curveball. And yeah. there came Saul Frank's curveball, and, and the batter hit. swung, and the yeah. batter missed. And we sat there the very next at bat. Okay, it's one and two. Here comes Saul Frank's curveball. Saul Frank throws the curveball, the batter swings and misses. It, it just it shows how tremendous he his stuff yeah. is. And he's always had good stuff. His curveball is electric. It that's might a, be that, that that is a professional caliber pitch. Yes, that, that, that is a plus pitch yeah. easily. And it, it, he's always had the stuff. It, it was just a question of could he put it together for an extended run? We're finally seeing him do that. He on uh, Sunday, on the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday against Evansville, he went seven and two thirds, gave up two earned runs, three runs period, had five hits, and he struck out fourteen, tying a career high that he set against Canisius. Tremendous outing for him. Just it, it really put another gem onto this run for him that's been tremendous. And I think what also is important about this, not only has he kind of figured it out in his own right, but he's done this in the absence of Tommy Summer, and he took Tommy Summer's job. I mean, I don't think there's, and despite how well Tommy Summer's pitched right now, you can't put him back in the Sunday role the way Saul Frank's going right now, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, it's Saul Frank has done such a great job with that. I don't think I would have said I. Okay, to be fair, I did say he was going to be the Sunday guy coming into the season. I didn't think this was how he was going to get the job. Um, I figured Tommy, I mean, 
I figured be- be- between Tommy Summer or Solfring, one of those two would, wouldn't get the Sunday guy. Either way, I thought it would be a guy that could be effective if, if they were consistent. That's exactly what's happened. And Solfring finding consistency is part of why I said with Summer that this could be, you know, the the best staff in the Big Ten. And I think it's become that, which is surprising given what Minnesota has in their staff. And we'll talk about them a bit later. Fredrickson's had not the year that we thought he was going to have. So he, their staff's been kind of down compared to what it was thought to be. But Austin, who was your second star? My second star, um, you're, you might notice a trend <laughs> in my stars. Yeah. My second star is Tanner Gordon, uh, Indiana's number two starter. In the first game of the doubleheader against Evansville on Saturday, he went seven innings. He struck out nine, only gave up one run on two hits. Seven innings of two-hit baseball is something that you'll take eight days a week. Yeah. It's you know just a really, really good outing for him. He's another guy who struggled early in the season and kind of over the last month or so has really, really hit his stride. And he, he's gone at least six innings in his last five starts. He's struck out over nine batters three times in his last five starts. He's kind of rounding into what everybody thought he was going to be because coming into the season, people were saying, oh, this is a guy that could be a Friday night guy. Gordon is a guy that, you know, has so much talent and, you know, Indiana is going to have two aces yeah. and he's turning into a second ace for Indiana now, which has been amazing to watch because early in the season he struggled and those struggles were well documented. But now he's really hit his stride. He's pitching the way that people thought he would pitch. That's why he's my second star. I think part of his development, which I think is especially interesting to me, is not just that he's become kind of this guy that you're talking about that could, that could become a Friday guy. I think I think next year he slots in as the Friday guy. Easily. Easily. I don't think there's much of a question of that. But this is a guy that pitched in junior college last year. And he's quickly become one of you know the better pitchers in the Big Ten. That's a huge jump. And I know Logan Kalitha did that last year, too, and Tanner Gordon's making the exact same change from the exact same college to come to IU. That's not easy, though. And I mean, just the, the fact that he's been able to make this change, seeing his development has been just it's, it's been so fun to watch because you've seen him get better and better and better each week as he learns how to pitch two Division One hitters. And he's now putting up the same kind of numbers that he had at Johnny Logan College that got us all excited in the, in the first place. And Austin, you talked about kind of the trend with your stars. And I think based on that trend, I think it's pretty obvious to figure out who your first star is. My first star is none other than the man himself, Paulie Milto, Indiana's ace. Another tremendous start from him on Friday down in Evansville as the opener of the split series. He threw eight innings. He gave up three hits, no runs. He had four strikeouts. So not a huge strikeout number, but... Once again, eight innings of shutout baseball is truly, truly something special. You, you don't see that a lot in the college game where there's a lot of offense. So, Paulie Milto, the leader of this pitching staff, and he's my number one star this week. I think just following up on that, I mean, looking at Paulie's stat line, line here, the fewest innings he's gone in a game is six. Um, that, was, that was six innings in a game against Canisius, which – IU put up 18 runs in that game? I believe something, so, something yes. Like that. A lot of runs. Um, I mean, Paulie has been just unbelievable. He's, 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 gone, he's gone eight innings, one, two, three, four times this, this, uh, this year, including eight and a third against Iowa, allowing just one run, striking out 10. That was probably one of his better starts of the year. I still 
think I'd still argue Washington is probably his yeah, best. Yeah, Washington, I'd say, um, is his best. But I mean, the, the the fact that there's like games that you can argue with the Washington Stars being his best start of the year, I think, just goes to show how great Paul has been this season. And I think on that note, I'm going to change my first star. I originally had Matt Lloyd, and this is no kind of detriment to Matt Lloyd, but I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna make some history on the Extra Base podcast. For the first time in extra base history, which is what can can cannot be many podcasts, but it's not many. For the for the first time, we're going to have a non-player as the first star of the week. Is your first star me? Yeah, my first star is Justin Parker. Ah, well, um, it's I, not me. Am I? Yeah, and you know, Austin, you were you were certainly in the consideration. Oh, okay. Um, but it's I, just it's an honor to be considered. Yeah, I mean, I it was it was I was considering it was it was between you, Justin Parker, uh, Tom Allen's catcher's mitt, and Steve Aird. Uh, it was going to be one of those, but I, I'm going to go I, with... I hold myself in very high regard <laughs> oh, now absolutely. that I've been lumped in with those folks. With, with, with Tom Allen. And objects, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm going with Justin Parker, and I think the reasons why I'm going with, with, with Justin Parker should make sense based on what we've been saying. Parker's IU's pitching coach, and the job he's done with this staff has been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, this is a, a staff that lost a fifth-round pick last year, and honestly, it might have gotten better. And I don't. I mean, that doesn't happen often. The way he's kind of developed. Yeah, go for it. Also, all, all, not just Steve, but also BJ Sable, yeah. who might have been the most pivotal bullpen piece that the Hoosiers had. He wasn't exactly as flashy as a Matt Lloyd as your closer or yeah. Cal Kruger, who was getting a lot of innings. But BJ Sable threw a lot last year, and I don't think that people really recognized that enough. He, and Heron's gone too. Yeah, and Heron's gone too. You know, he went, worked from the bullpen to that Sunday yeah. role last year, and he was another big piece. And you lose all of those guys, and somehow your line or your rotation and your pitching staff get better. That's something that's crazy to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it, I, Justin Parker may be the single most under underappreciated member of this of this Indiana baseball team, just because of what he's been able to do with, you know, there were question marks. I think coming into this year, the I mean, I don't think there, anyone was concerned about the pitching staff, but the, there were some questions. I think Paulie was the obvious Friday guy. That made sense. But then you had, you know, Tanner Gordon, great numbers, but in Juco. You don't really know how that, how, how that's going to translate at first, and it, it didn't translate well at first, but look at how he's developed. That's ju- that's credit to to Justin Parker. Andrew Stolfrank, a guy that we thought to be inconsistent, and to start the year, yeah, he was a little con- incons- in- in- inconsistent, but now he's become that consistent guy, and that's credit to Justin Parker. And Tommy Summer has been through injury, and been, he's been rehabbing, and he's been pitching the best of his career over the past th- three outings, and that is credit to Justin Parker. The job he has done with this with this pitching staff is absolutely unbelievable. The bullpen, I don't think I don't think the bullpen's been as good as the starting staff has been, but that's just because the starting staff has been so good. Um, but he's done a very good job with 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 that bullpen as well. Connor Manis is a guy that's improved a lot. Yeah, oh this yeah, season. absolutely. He's he went from being a guy who was you know swinging back and forth between maybe he's a midweek starter, maybe he's a bullpen guy. We're not sure how to use him exactly. He'll be all over the place depending on what we need. And now he's a guy that. He, you can bring him out of the bullpen as a setup man, and you can be confident. Yeah, he, he's given you reason to be confident. He's one of the, he might be the most improved player on this team over from from last year to this yeah. year. I don't. I think that's a I, honestly. I think that's a very fair take. I, I mean, Matt Lloyd has been. You know, maybe you could argue he's been better this year than he's been last year. I think he's definitely had a higher volume role than he has had in prior years. He's had multiple um, times where he's, where he's been put in in the eighth inning to come in and 
finish off the job. Um, I mean, even guys like you know Grant Sloan. Grant you know, Sloan has improved as well yeah. this year. Just I, I, I think what you can more see with Justin Parker is look at the product from the first game against Memphis to to Tuesday night against Ball State. That is not the same pitcher pitch, pitchers group. This group is so much better than it was against Memphis. And you know Jeff Mercer said all along it wasn't about Memphis. It was about this time of year when you get into the, some of this tough stretch of the season. And I think he and especially Justin Parker, and I mean, Mercer's done a phenomenal job. I think this at this point, it's I mean, yeah, it's early, but I think it's clear IU made the right hire there. Absolutely. Um, I don't have any question in my mind about that right now. Just be, I mean, granted, IU's playing really, really well right now, so you're feeling good. But this based, program, based you, on all of the available yeah, data, right? Because keep in mind, this is all Jeff Lamonis. I mean, Chris. What did I? I'm losing it. This is all Lamonis's roster, right? And Mercer has come in and worked with it and made it his own, and this team is winning. And it's and we're going to mention it. We're going to talk more about it uh, about it later. But I use a top twenty RPI team right now, and you don't just come in as a brand new coach with players that you didn't recruit and just do that. That's not easy. Um, and despite yeah, I mean I use a talented program. Sure, they will. I mean even with how much they lost last year to the draft, still a really talented program. But just the coaching staff. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal job so far. And I think at this point, let's kind of transition over into what's been the hallmark of this team, which is more than just pitching. It's still been home runs. And, yeah, IU's been kind of less reliant on the home run a bit recently. But when you're looking at IU baseball right now, I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking starting pitching. I'm thinking home runs. I mean, this lineup, I think, led by, you know, Matt Lloyd at this point is probably the key piece in the offense as of yeah. as of right now. Matt Gorski kind of starting to get out of some of the funk he was in. It's it's home runs for this offense right now. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at what happened over the weekend, and it was like you get a home run, you get a home run, you get a home run. Then the same thing mm-hmm. happened on Tuesday. You get a home run, you get a home run. Actually, you get a second home run. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's crazy to see these guys lighting up the, the scoreboard like – they have been in recent weeks, especially when they've had some struggles when they haven't been able to get home runs. But this is something that we've seen for a few years now in Bloomington, a few years at least in Bloomington with this Hoosier group. They've hit home runs a lot, but this year they're kind of taking that to the next level. They're hitting home runs at a rate that I don't know if we've, we haven't seen it at a rate like this in years um, the the race between Matt Lloyd and Cole Barr for, fun <laughs> for most home runs in the Big Ten is yeah. crazy because Lloyd finally caught him, and then he comes out, and then he takes the lead, and then Barr comes right back in yeah. the same game, and he ties him back up. and it, it, That's been one of the more interesting storylines yeah. this season. That's something that's been pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, just the, this – I mean – Let's be honest. The home runs are fun, right? Home runs are I fun. I mean, it, when you're hitting a lot of them, if they're scoring, they're scoring. It, it's so much more fun to hit those long balls to you know see see who can hit, hit that orange car out in center field at Bar Coffin Field. No one's done that yet. I think it's going to happen at some point. If I do, you want to play best actually on who's going to hit the car? I I think that the interesting thing is that the person that has been closest to hitting the orange car in center field so so far has been Wyatt Cross. Yeah, actually. I, I believe yeah. he I, I believe he had one that skipped Kent like State? Yeah. Yeah. I believe that one was like eight or ten feet short of the car, I believe, yeah. maybe. 
if batting practice home runs could could count, Paulie give me all my money on Paulie Milto. Paulie Milto, who should absolutely get an at bat. The video uh, that that uh, Ryan Feynman posted of Paulie Milto in the back with his helmet and shades on, just standing there. His helmet, his shades, told, his bat, his batting gloves. Yeah, no emotion. Everyone's celebrating. Paulie's just standing there. That was one of my, that was my one of my favorite clips of the year from the, from this from this team. I mean. Actually, Ryan Feynman, really electric on Twitter of, of late. Uh, yes. He, he crushed sorority night. Well, well, well done job there. But as Ryan Feynman kind of sits on the bench right now and crushing Twitter, um, he and Logan Kalitha at this point are kind of the two main guys that still are not part of this team right now, and injuries are hampering those two. But outside of them, I mean, this team is probably the healthiest it's been all season. Yeah, uh, there were guys coming into the season that – were hurt and couldn't really get into the action. Elijah Dunham was one of those guys who didn't get a lot of early playing time because Mm -hmm. he couldn't get on the field, and now he's rounded into form, and he's healthy, and he's in the middle of IU's lineup. You've got Austin Long, who didn't really play for the first half of the season. Now we're in the second half. He didn't really play for the first half of the season because he had off-season surgery and he couldn't, and yeah. now he's back. He's pitching. He's contributing. He closed out against Ball State on Tuesday. I mean, yeah. Granted, not really a high-stakes situation. But, but no, he pitched yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've also got Tommy Summer, who we've talked about at length already, and he, having him back from injury has been huge. Yeah. I mean, you, you can only say it so many ways. So I believe that, you know, if the rest of the team can stay healthy and then you get Feynman, you get Kalitha back, you're really, really cooking right there because this IU team looks great right now, and they're doing that without two of the key cogs in their lineup. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's been the be, behind that performance of, of those two that IU has really rose up the RPI rankings. I was looking at it this morning, and I tweeted out that for the first time all season on my laptop, I could get a screenshot of the RPI rankings on D1 Baseball I could get IU in the same screenshot as UCLA, which was which was number one. Um, that has changed actually since I tweeted that. IU is down one spot to twenty one. Um, but so you can't get so you, you you can get IU in number two Oregon State, but not UCLA anymore. But that's less of the point. More of the point is that in the last week, IU has jumped up twelve spots in the RPI. They're up to twenty one in the nation. That puts them in, in between uh, the two North Carolina schools. Actually, UNC is twentieth. And NC State is 22nd. Those are two teams. Obviously, RPI doesn't tell you everything, but I mean UNC and NC State are both teams that I think right now are projected to host regionals. Um, UNC maybe less so. They've had a little bit of an up and down season, but still, you know, a team that could very well host a regional. NC State's been great this this year. I think they had the longest undefeated stretch in the country. Was that Arizona State? It was one of those two. Um, either way, but I mean, but I use in the midst of the top teams in the country right now. There. You know, around you know all the SEC teams that are you know highly regarded, I believe they're the highest team in the Big Ten. Right yes, now. they are. Yeah, because um, Michigan is sixty fourth. Wow. And Illinois is thirty second. Right, and it's not like I use just just kind of up to twenty one because they've been playing well. Their strength of schedule is up to twenty ninth in the country. Like, I mean, yes, right now the five game stretch they're in with 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 Ball State on Tuesday, then Michigan State this weekend, and then Ball State again on Tuesday in Indianapolis. Um, is probably one of the easier stretches they're going to have of the season. But then, it's but to still be 29th in RPI at that point, because yeah, Ball State may not be the greatest team ever. They might be a four seed because they're gonna they might win their conference. Um, I mean, it's, I think in the collegiate 
Uh, I think in the Baseball America projection that came out today, they had Ball State as a four seed. So that's not, you know, a nothing team. I, they have, they're 150th in RPI last I looked. That was before the game on Tuesday. I don't know exactly where they are now. Um, they are 154th. So they barely right moved because of that. I mean, it's it's a it's not a it's not a good team, but it's not a bad one either. Michigan State. If you're gonna, eh, if you you're gonna sweep Michigan State. <laughs> yeah, Michigan State uh, not having a great season. Have they won more than like six or seven games at this point? Uh, they are nine and twenty-five on oh, the season. Oh, they're almost at ten wins. Yeah, they're <laughs> one. They're, they're one eighty-seven in RPI. Yeah, that's actually higher than I thought they would be. Um, although actually they've played a tough schedule. Now that I think about it, I, they've got to be like top ten in strength of schedule, I would think. Um, let me double check that quickly. Uh, all right, just kind of fill in some time. They here. are forty second in oh, strength okay, of schedule. Then I mean either way, that's not. I mean that's not an easy schedule. They've had to play uh, Coastal twice. They had to play NC State. Then they had to play Arizona State for for three. UConn for four. Ne- Nebraska already. Michigan already. Indiana State. Actually, they've won a series against Indiana State. That's probably one of their best series wins of the that, year. That has to be. Uh, I think that might be their only series one of the year. How the hell did that happen? Um, yeah, I, this is this is this is a team that you need to sweep. Um, because they lost a series to New Orleans. I didn't know New Orleans was a D one baseball school. Um, yeah, you got you you got to sweep this series if you're if you're IU, and there's no reason to not sweep this series. Um, actually, New Orleans, uh, five and thirteen in the Southland, good for them. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything. There's not really much analysis there. Like, you got Paulie, you got Tanner, you got Andrew Saul, Frank. The lineup's been hitting well. There's not an excuse to not sweep Michigan State. Yeah. Um, all of the things that we've been saying for you know the however many minutes we've been doing this about how Indiana's playing so well, actually, all of those things. Keep doing those things, and Michigan State's not good at baseball. Yeah, you're good. There's your analysis. As long as you play like at all decently, they're fine. I'm not too worried about that. But here's the thing. After Michigan State and after Ball State and Indianapolis on Tuesday, oh, boy, does this get a little more interesting. Um, IU has one of uh, what I think can only be called uh, the death march, I think is what you coined it, Um it's. I mean, it's brutal. It seems like it's been like that for the last few years for Indiana. You, you get through March, you get through April, everything's all hunky-dory, and then maybe the last week of April and then all of May is basically just a gauntlet that yeah. you're just racing through, hoping that you can get through in okay shape. Yeah, so IU in the next, uh, after Michigan State, they will face uh, Minnesota and Bloomington for three. My preseason, my preseason pick to win the Big Ten, I will back off of that pick a little bit. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. Um, but still, a very formidable team. It's a good team. If you're IU, the game I'm most keying in on there is the Friday. If you can beat Max Max Meyer, you got to feel good about yourself. Um, you'll, I think, just given IU's advantage in the rotation at this point, I mean, I, I never – this is – Sentences I never thought I would say. Um, I'm very confident in Tanner Gordon against Patrick Fredrickson. Um, did not think I would ever say that sentence, but here we are. Um, I think IU can beat Patrick Fredrickson. Um, I do as well. Uh, it, but Max Meyer, I mean, if, if you have Paulie versus Max Meyer, first of all, get the Bart Kaufman field if you can for that game. Watch it. That yeah, that's, that's going to be one of the best games yeah. of the season, possibly. That's for one some, of the best pitching matchups yeah, of the season. For some reason, that game's not on TV, but the Sunday one is. Um, if you can watch 
Max Meyer versus Pauly Milto. Like, please do that. Um, that's going to be just an absolutely phenomenal baseball game. Um, that also should be a very quick game, too. I would expect that game to be kind of in the two. Yeah, very That should be a game in the two and two and a half hour range, knock on, knock on wood. Um, but I don't expect more than like five total runs in that game. Um, I'm excited for that one. So that, that should be a, a good measuring stick for IU and where they are. Um, heading into heading into postseason play because they haven't really faced a top tier pitcher since Dante Biasi against Penn State, who they didn't score against. Um, then you get after Minnesota, you get the whole week off for finals. Um, then you head off and you head up to play Illinois in Champaign. That will be a tough series. This graduation day. weekend too. Graduation weekend. Um, that will be a tough. Um, actually, you know, while we're, while we're on that subject, uh, we got a uh, a senior on the podcast today, Austin Matricardi. You head into the real world in about two weeks. Yeah. Enjoy that. I really, I, I don't have any advice to share because I haven't been there before. Um, good luck. Uh, that's literally, I, the real world is scary. You'll, you'll be fine. I, I, I have confidence. Um, so yeah, they're playing Illinois that weekend. So yeah, yeah, Illinois that weekend. Back to that. Um, that's going to be an interesting series. I think I'm a little less worried about that one than Minnesota actually, despite that yeah. Illinois is probably a better team than Minnesota. Based on, you know, honestly, now that I say that, actually, I don't know if Illinois is a better team than Minnesota. Illinois has I had Minnesota a rough is, go of it. Minnesota is such a weird team because their record is 16 and 18 at this point. They are quite possibly the best sub 500 team in the country. Because, um, I mean, that's that's still a really good team. Um, I mean, Illinois, they've, they've struggled in the Big Ten. They've kind of got out, they got out to a hot start and cooled off a bit since then. Um, then, you get, then you go down to play uh, Kentucky and Lexington on a midweek game. Tuesday night, I think that game's on the SEC network. Um, but Kentucky is probably not what we thought they were coming into this season. I don't think they're anywhere near as good as they were last year. Still a good team, still an SEC team. What was, it was, what did we say about Tennessee, right? It was a team that we thought, you know, kind of met last year. You know, won a few interesting SEC games, but, you know, not a team that we – I don't think any of us thought Tennessee was going to be as good as they are. Absolutely not. Um I think I think Kentucky though at this point has kind of proven they are not that fringe tournament. That was they are not that snub that they were last year. Um, I think they are a bit step back from that. They're still you know don't take them lightly. It's still a good team, but they're not they're not last year's team. Um, and then you get an, then you get probably the most crucial series of the whole thing. You head up to Ann Arbor uh, May tenth for a series against Michigan, the Friday night game. Uh, Tommy Henry versus Paulie Milto on ESPNU. That should be another great baseball game. Probably, uh, I mean, very could possibly have a huge impact on who wins Big Ten Pitcher of the Year, despite the fact that I still think it's Max Meyer right now, but that's a debate for it for another time. Um, you also have Dante Biazzi in Dante the mix. Biazzi, very much a sleeper pick for there as well. Um, that Michigan series is crucial in the Big Ten. Um, and then you get uh, Louisville and Bloomington um, to end that stretch, which is probably the best team they'll play in that stretch, but maybe not as important just given at that point you're more focused on the Big Ten. That um, Yeah, th- that game is really, really important if you do well in those Big Ten series and maybe yeah. it's looking like you're going to win the Big Ten. Maybe you're trying to sneak into the conversation to be a regional host. Mm-hmm. That's when that Louisville game yeah. becomes huge. Yeah, that's actually – so I think we should actually just talk about that a bit because – Let's say IU goes out and wins those three Big Ten series. Let's say they take two out of three in, in each of those three series. At that point, you've probably won the Big Ten. Because even though uh, – because 
I mean, and even if you don't, if you take two or three from 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 Minnesota, two or three from Illinois, two or three from Michigan, beat Kentucky and beat Louisville, that's you're a, floating on air. Yeah, you are just beaming. I, I, I see no reason at that point because that team. Nebraska's schedule maybe is a little easier. They're the other team that's kind of really in the mix for the Big yeah, Ten. Yeah, Nebraska has a series at Iowa. They've got Illinois at home. They're traveling to Northwestern, and they've got a home series against Michigan. Yeah. That's their final Big Ten series. So, in all honesty, it, between Indiana and Nebraska, it might come down to who can win a series against Michigan. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, and. I th- I think if I had if you I'm gonna make a prediction here be a little bold um I think IU wins the Big Ten in the regular season I'll go I'll I'll say it right now um I have changed that is changing my pick dramatically because I was convinced IU was gonna be third um I think at this point the schedule sets up well for it um I mean they yes their most crucial series is on the road I think they can win that series I. This is a team that is talented enough to win the Big Ten, but the teams the last two years have been talented enough to yeah. win the Big Ten, which is why I'm hesitant. I just don't think the competition is, is as good this year as it's been in prior years. Because that, that last year, Minnesota hosted a regional. There's not a team in the Big Ten that's who say, besides Indiana right now, that even has the potential to host a regional. I don't think Michigan has the strength of schedule the rest of the, w- of the way to put them in that category. Michigan, the rest of the way, has Northwestern at home, Rutgers at home. They go to Maryland. They've got Indiana at home, and they go to Nebraska. Their resume is what it is at this point. Yeah. and mm-hmm. I mean, that they should sweep Northwestern and Rutgers, and that sets yeah. them up favorably. to. It, it's basically going to come down to what is basically a – quasi round robin between Indiana, Michigan and Nebraska possibly. Yeah. I, I yeah. That that's that's what's going to decide the title. Right. Cuz Michigan's strength of schedule is 179. Uh Indiana's is top 25. If Michigan if I mean I don't see at this point Michigan to host a region would have to win out. Base. Well not win out. They'd have to win every series the rest of the rest of the, of the way, win the Big 10 and win the conference tournament too. I don't. I, I think Indiana is the only team in this conference at this point that could theoretically not win the conference tournament and host a, a, and host a, a regional. That sound. I mean, Indiana has the best resume among yeah. the, those teams. I Michigan agree. has the best win because they beat UCLA in Los Angeles, but there's just not the, the 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 whole thing isn't there. They have one good win. Otherwise, I mean, they have you know. They lost a series to Ohio State for the first time in, like, I don't know the exact year, but I saw some stats. Like, it's been, it's been a minute. I don't think they've lost a series to Ohio State in a while. Um, it's not exactly a great thing to have yeah, on Ohio, your resume. And Ohio State is, again, you know, I would say they're, you know, not a bad team, but I don't think they're a team that's going to be in the field as of right now. Um, I don't believe they're, they're a team that's fighting to get into the Big Ten tournament, yeah. let alone – yeah, despite, the NCAA tournament. Despite having 20 wins at this point, I don't think it's a team that's really competing to be really, you know, certainly in at this point. Just because of, and also, you know, I think there is certainly a factor of what have you done for me lately when you look at kind of some of these regional teams, and Indiana can fit that just because of the strength of schedule they have coming coming down the stretch. Like, it gets harder. Their strength of schedule is already 29th in the country, and it gets harder. I mean, it's like, 
and I am surprised that I would be saying that because I did not think this was going to be this difficult of a schedule coming in. Um, I mean, they've got they're they're in the, they're in the easiest part of it right now. They're about to get to the hardest part. Um, and if you can come out of that clean, you're in great shape. I mean, they're a two seed projected right now. I really I don't think they're going to host a regional. I don't think but so. Either. I don't think a Bloomington regional is crazy. It's it definitely wouldn't come out of left field as long as they do what they need to do which is win their next every remaining weekend series yeah. and then I, I think beat one of two between Kentucky and Louisville and you probably want that to be Louisville yeah for sure I mean you, you well you'd rather beat Louisville just because it's the better win and then you probably but the flip side of that is you Louisville is also a better loss that's fair so either way, you, you probably need to win one of those two midweek games, and then you probably need to win two games in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. To, I, don't to, I, don't, I don't think they need to win it. I really they, don't. They don't, need, they don't need to win the whole thing, but yeah. you know, win two games, lose gracefully, yeah, and then you're in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's, that said, if IU goes in, you, you win each of the three Big, big Ten series in that, in that, in that death march, and you win one of two out of the Kentucky and Louisville games. I think at that point you probably won the Big Ten because I think if you can knock out Michigan from that conversation, you're probably going to beat then Nebraska. It's just down gonna, to it's down to you and Nebraska. And I think Michigan's better better than Nebraska, so I think they'll beat Nebraska in that series. If I ha- if I'm if I'm making my picks here, um, and at that point, let's say IU wins the Big Ten at that point, you go and you win the conference tournament. I think they're a lock for a regional at that point. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. if if you're the Big Ten isn't a big baseball conference. Yeah. It's it's one that is there's a a depth to it. Right. That you know there's there's parity because Illinois is a good team. They're three and six in the Big Ten. Yeah. But th- there isn't a team in the Big Ten that really wows you as yeah. far as you know the the potential to win a national championship. It, it's not the SEC. Yeah. It's not the Pac-12. Oh no, I don't think. But I yeah, no, I mean like. But if this is all building to if you win the Big Ten regular season, you win the Big Ten tournament, which they've had terrible success in, which I think we yeah. need to keep that in mind. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You yeah. do want to keep that in mind, and it's in Omaha once again, which yeah. didn't work out well for the Hoosiers. The- it's, it, listen, I hate that it's in Omaha. I love that it's the Omaha should host one event each year, and it's the College World Series. The that's it. T- TD Ameritrade Park should host like one game a year, and it should be like a special season opening <laughs> event. I, I know you don't like that stadium. I, well, the thing is, is that it's just not fun to watch games played there. It's it's at least better though in the College World Series when there's actually people there. That's fair. At the Big Ten, the Big Ten tournament should empty. it should not be at TD Ameritrade. It Park. should be somewhere in the middle of all the Big Ten schools. Cough, Chicago, cough. Or at least put it at, you know, one of the member schools' ballparks. Yeah. Bart Kaufman Field had the Big Ten tournament a couple years ago, and it was a pretty good event. Yeah. There was I, a really cool energy to the whole thing. and you know, I it, just think you need a, sli- a slightly bigger venue. Yeah, I, I mean, but. if you, uh, you bump it around, just yeah. please don't put it at TD Ameritrade yeah. Park. It's I, it's I, I like that I, I don't have the same gripe with TD Ameritrade Park that you do, but I just I like it, home runs. That's you fair. don't hit home runs at TD Ameritrade Park, except for the one that won the College World Series for Coastal. But you hit very <laughs> yeah. few home runs yeah. at TD Ameritrade Park. Yeah, I mean it's just like it's not, it's not a venue for a 
not as major conference tournament because the Big Ten yeah. is a major conference, but it's not the ACC. It's not. It's not the SEC. It's not even the Pac-12 because this is the one sport where the Pac-12 is relevant. Um, and I will. Yeah, I'll. I'll. I'll stick with that. Um, I mean, I just. I just think that IU could get to 42, 43 wins this this season. Yeah, which would be that's what, the, that's what I, that's, I think that's what we predicted. I believe that I said yeah. forty on the nose. Yeah, I th- I don't I think I said something around forty. I don't remember what I said. I know Griffin went with fifty before the year. Uh, if IU was going to get very 50, valuable insight there, does IU can IU get to fifty wins? Do they have to like if they win out and then win the Big Ten. I don't even think that's enough. Well, right now they're at they they can't twenty five. There's not twenty five games left. <laughs> no, there's no no way. no. Um, they're 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 not. Getting to fifty wins. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, I mean, I, I think a reasonable expectation, though. I think I use, pr- I think the regional talk is it's fun, and I think you know I think there's a legitimate reason for why it's going to be there because I think this team really could win the Big Ten, um, but based on I probably don't think that's going to happen. I think I don't gonna, either. I think they're going to end up as a two, um, yes. and I think they're going to end up winning somewhere around thirty eight, thirty nine games. Yeah. Um, which is very, very respectable. Very reasonable. Um, very respectable. And I think they'll probably end up – I mean, I like some of these projections that have been coming out from D1 Baseball and from uh, Baseball America. I think D1 Baseball had them in – oh, I know it was – Baseball America had them in a Nashville regional, I think. I think. One of the two had them, had them in a Nashville regional. Yeah, I've um, seen them – projected to nashville a few times i think that would be nice i think if you're iu but you i mean yeah it's a good team but you'd like a louisville regional just for the sake of travel i I, Um, yeah i believe that a louisville regional would possibly be the best possible yeah because i think iu could win a louisville regional i believe they could as well and i think we'll 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 get a better sense of that when they play louisville but just i mean i'm just looking more at a travel perspective here I i think i think louisville would be good um i mean Nashville's fine. Uh, oh boy, Starkville would be fun with Ben Portnoy. Um, yes, I I personally am in favor of a rally regional just because I might be able to get to that one. Um, what I but but all aside, I desperately want a Tempe regional. Desperately, it's horrible that would for be travel. A, that'd be an awful awful place. It'd be to terrible end up. for travel. But Tracy Smith versus the Hoosiers would be so fun. I mean, obviously, this is complete speculation, but I would love to go to Tempe because I think also on top of that, I you can absolutely beat Arizona State. Like I have full confidence in that. Um, I mean, like IU is a team that I think, as opposed to last year, is built better for a regional because of its because yeah. of its ro- because of its rotation. Yeah, you go to now you have four reliable starting pitchers. Yeah. As long as Saul Frank and Summer keep things going, et cetera, et cetera, and I, I think that it works very favorably for you if you're yeah. Indiana going into a regional. Another place that you know might not get stuck out for Indiana as a projection, but could potentially, you know, this is all speculation, yeah. as we've said. But yeah. last year, Indiana got sent down to Texas yeah. to play in Austin. Perhaps this year, Indiana College gets. Station. I was gonna say Lubbock. Is is do you think Texas Tech's in the conversation to host a regional right now? Because they've had a very they're, kind of up and down year. They're a projected host Are from D one, right yeah, okay. which is what I'm looking at, and I I think that that's a pretty good place to end up if you're Indiana because they've been so up and yeah. down this year. I 
Texas Tech has been one of the most interesting teams in the country to follow yeah. because you know that they're talented, but for some reason they haven't seemed like they've been able to keep it together. And that's what we're, but they're like, a vulnerable yeah. host. I mean, obviously, again, complete speculation, but a team like Texas Tech worries me for that exact region. They were a top five preseason team for a reason, and you never know when they're going to figure it out because that team is really, really good. Um, I mean, they had a, they had a they had a great run. They had a great run last year. Their their key pieces are still there. Um, I mean, I think that, that that that's a team that I like think I could definitely beat if you can get them to still be an inconsistent team. But at the same time, because of how talented they are, you, you have the concern that they might just figure it out all of a sudden. Just like you know, you know how in the NCAA tournament teams suddenly become the Warriors against Syracuse, right? And I mean, that just seems to always happen. Um, except for Indiana in 2013. That's a story for another time. Um, but I, I think that I think that there's a lot of. I th- I, th- I think your point though is more that there's a lot of vulnerable one seeds. Yeah. Like there's. I don't think there's a clear cut favorite this year. Yeah. I, I think that as long as you don't end up in Los Angeles or Corvallis. Yeah. You're feeling pretty good if you're Indiana. I'm gonna be honest. I'd rather play UCLA than Oregon State. Well, UCLA, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Going I mean, to Corvallis doesn't sound fun for anybody yeah, like, in particular. Like UCLA has had a better season than Oregon State has has had. I mean, they've been number one for a few weeks now, and I think they've had a pretty good lock on that spot right now. But I wouldn't say UCLA is some like overwhelming favorite to win. The no, I don't believe so right either. I think Oregon State is better than them. Um, I don't know the exact series if they played each other yet. Um, I'm. Just, I don't think they've played each other yet. I, One I know. I know. UCLA played played Stanford, um, a few weeks ago. Well, not a few weeks ago. I think two weeks ago. Um, I mean, like, but but I've. There uh, is actually not a pack. Or hold on, they um. They don't play. They do. They do play. They. Oh, they, they, it already happened. Yeah, UCLA, UCLA won. won yeah, UCLA won two of three. Yeah. At home. Yeah. I still think Oregon State's better than them, though. Just because of that, of you know, you I think Oregon State just because also their experience, that that's that's a team I don't want to face in a regional for a number of reasons. I also, you know, you look at I'm kind of going through RPI looking at some teams here. I mean, UC Santa Barbara that might be a regional host. Yeah, yeah, they're you know typically a pretty good program, but they haven't played anybody. Their strength of schedule is 54th, which isn't terrible, but it's also not like you know. Looking at some of these other regional teams like UCLA, number one strength of schedule, Oregon State, number three, Vanderbilt, number two, Louisville, number eight, Tennessee, number four, Georgia Tech, number six. Where did Georgia Tech come from? My goodness, they beat they beat UNC in a series and just they're rocking it up right now. They're at ninth in RPI. Um, then you get Miss, then you get you know Mississippi State, eighty eighth in strength of schedule. So there's a little bit of a of a, of a mix here. Um, but also some kind of you know just looking more so at RPI, some teams that really are not. As good as their RPI would show, cough West Virginia cough. I they are not the 14th best team in the country, in my opinion. Um, but I, I mean, but generally the point is there's a lot of teams that you probably could be like East Carolina's, you know, I think a team that's probably going to host a regional. That's a beatable team, and it's because of Indiana's pitching staff. Um, we have talked a lot about these regionals. I don't know how we got this 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 far down into this conversation, but. I mean, I think we are at a point in this year where we can start kind of looking into, you know, what are some of these projections? I, th- I think we've we've gotten into, you know, some of this, you know, baseball bracketology time of year. Um, with that, I think we, uh, I think we've exhausted 
everything Indiana baseball this week. Um, the Hoosiers will head up to East Lansing uh, to play Michigan State for on Friday. Um, that will be a three-game series. Paulie Milton will, will, will take them out on Friday. IU will really be expected to sweep that series, and if not, we will have an interesting podcast next week. Uh, Indiana will be also playing Ball State at Victory Field in Indianapolis on Tuesday. Austin and I will be there. Um, and then we will be back in the podcast booth after that as we look ahead to the toughest part of this season, to the defining stretch of this season. For Austin, I'm Matt Cohen. We'll see you next time.